Voices for Justice is a podcast that uses adult language and discusses sensitive and potentially triggering topics, including violence, abuse, and murder. This podcast may not be appropriate for younger audiences. All parties are innocent until proven guilty in a court of law. Some names have been changed or omitted per their request or for safety purposes. Listener discretion is advised. My name is Sarah Turney, and this is Voices for Justice. In the last episode of Voices for Justice, we discussed my father's bomb trial with an emphasis on the coverage the Phoenix Police Department felt most applicable to Alyssa's case, specifically regarding my father's high propensity for violence and future violence. In this episode, we're stepping outside of the timeline of the case to hear from a very special guest, Alyssa's biological father, Stephen Strom. As I mentioned in the very beginning of this podcast, there may be one-off episodes as people come forward to talk, and that's exactly what happened. You might remember that when I referenced Alyssa's biological father, I kept it quite brief, and that was on purpose. The truth is, growing up, I heard a lot of terrible stories about Steve. I was told that he abused my mother, my brother John, and Alyssa. Some people even say that my mother met my father when she was attempting to escape Steve's abuse in a park. And since Steve was never a part of Alyssa's life, I felt that he was mostly irrelevant to the story. And instead of trying to decipher fact from fiction without any court paperwork or case file to back up my conclusions, it felt irresponsible to go into any of the stories. But I've been talking to Steve for almost two years now. And in December of 2019, I received a call from him asking to be on the podcast. So I agreed, but under the condition that we would talk about it all. The rumors of abuse, him not being there, the adoption, everything. And he agreed. So a few weeks ago, Steve and his wife Karen happened to be in Phoenix, where I live. So I invited them to my home to record. What you're about to hear is a casual conversation, so you will hear us laugh, getting emotional, papers rustling, and Steve moving the microphone a bit. You will also hear Karen speaking from across the room in some instances. We spoke for close to an hour and a half, and we discuss a lot, so fair warning that this episode will be another two-parter. But without further ado, here is my interview with Alyssa's biological father, Stephen Strom. So today on Voices for Justice, I actually have Stephen Strom, which is Alyssa's biological father. Um, Hi, Steve. Thanks for coming on. Hi, Sarah. Thanks for having me on. Of course. So I wanted to start with the story of, of, I guess, how you met my mom. You know, how did all this um, transpire? Yeah, um, I started thinking about back about how I met her, and I realized that uh, I was working in real estate in California, and uh, she was a loan officer at a loan company, and I had a... uh, I had a uh, client who needed a loan, and so that's how I first met her. And uh, we got to know each other, and then I asked her to go out. But I didn't ask her on a normal date because I knew she had a little boy who was two, John. And so I I said, Barbara, uh, you want to go with take John and let's go to Disneyland. So we went to Disneyland on the first date and um, I carried John around because he sometimes he got tired and he was only two. So I put him on my back and yeah. carried him all around. And we, that was our first date. And that's the first time we met. And that's, that's how it went from there on. That's so cute. I had no idea. I knew that John went to Disneyland a lot. Like he definitely threw it in my face a lot growing up um, that he had been to Disneyland like 5,000 times by the time he was 10 or whatever. Um, so that's really interesting. Yeah. John, John was just a good little boy. He, he didn't really, his father, he had a biological father and his father was there, but he wasn't much in his life. Right. And so uh, what he would do is sometimes he would get frustrated like little boys do when they don't have a father and he would kind of take it out on his mom. But I kept him in check in that. And then pretty soon I became his dad. You know what I mean? He didn't know any different and yeah. he thought I was his dad and him and I spent all of our time together doing things together. He was the best little kid in the world. Best yeah. little kid. Yeah. He's so cute. He is. Okay, so yeah, you you meet my mom and you, you know, you meet John and everything and it seems like you guys, I mean, hit it off right away. When did you like move in or what did that look like? Uh we didn't. Uh what really happened was that uh your mom was working for that loan company and her uh boyfriend, which is John's father, John. Right. Uh he had her Mustang taken away from her. 
that oh. he gave her. So you had somebody go over and at the at one of the shopping centers and hook it up and take it away. So she didn't have that anymore. So I told her, and I had a Corvette at the time, and I told her that she could use my Corvette to go to, to work because I was working up in Malibu on a home that I was building. And so uh, the second thing happened was is that she had nowhere for John to go. And I said, well, didn't you have Lucy there? And she said, uh, and Lucy was an old friend. And she said, yeah, but I'd rather him stay with you if he can. So my father was helping me on the house to build. So along with my father and I, John was there all the time with us playing and doing things and working on, on the house. And we cleaned up after the house and we didn't leave it real ratty or nails or that kind of thing because <laughs> we didn't want to step on them. But um, so we we had John there and then Barbara and she would stay at Lucy's house and then go to work and come on weekends and see us. And then eventually what she did was she, <laughs> I had a large trailer up on the site. She eventually moved in the trailer with John and I and my father in the trailer. Oh, sure. And, and uh, that's when it went. And then I remember her going and doing our laundry, my dad's laundry, my laundry, John's laundry, her own laundry on weekends. And eventually she just hated her job and she hated going back down there. And I just said, quit. Just yeah. quit. You know what I mean? So she quit. And she would go and do laundry on the weekends. And my dad said, you know, you better marry this girl. She's unbelievable. She does your laundry and everything else. <laughs> so eventually that was like maybe six months later or something, maybe more. Okay. By the time I met her, it was, I asked her to marry me. We went to Vegas, got married. We went to Utah and uh, met my family. Uh, and my, my mother and my sisters and, and stuff. And, uh, that's when it started. Oh, wow. So what year did you get married? Do you remember? Sorry. I know it's, it's been a very long time. I can't even tell you. Yeah. I was 29. Okay. So I well, Alyssa's born in 84. Yeah. So, so and it was about, uh, so it had to have been at least two years. Uh, she was born in 84. So it had to be 82. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I think I have some photos. Yeah. I have a photo right here in front of us that's dated for 82. So that makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So it's pretty quick. So you meet my mom and like six months later, you guys are married. Yeah. We're married. Yeah. And, uh, and we, we finished building the, the building. And then mm -hmm. I said, Hey, my sister, my sister wants me to come to Phoenix and she wants, wants to start a business and she wants me to run the business for her. And so she started a sign business. My sister and brother-in-law, they started a sign business. And I asked Barbara, you want to go? You want to do that? Is that what you want to do? And she said, yeah. So on the way out, we bought a whole set of uh, furniture for the bedroom. Yeah. <laughs> because we didn't have any furniture, bedroom furniture. We bought that. And we, my dad followed us and we drove to Phoenix. And uh, my dad, oh, my dad went a little ahead of time. And him and my sister got us a place to rent. Oh, nice. First. And so then that's, uh, we moved, moved, moved there. We moved in. Her and John and I, and uh, that's how we started our life there. Oh, very cool. I actually never knew how my mom came to Phoenix. I had no idea. That's how she got there. Yeah, yeah. interesting. And she was, you know, I didn't want to put her in that thing because I know people that live in California like to stay in California. Yeah, yeah. And, and I was kind of too, but I just had had it with it. And it was a new beginning type thing. And she was like, yeah, let's go. So we went. That's how we, that's how we did that. Yeah, that's so exciting. Yeah, it was, it was good, I think, for the both of them and John. Uh, John just turned into a fabulous kid and he was just very loving and loved, a, um, loved that we loved each other. And, and he was a part of that. Yeah. You know what I mean? So that was pretty neat. Yeah. Well, at that point, did my mom have full custody over John? I'm assuming if she's just able to leave the state with she him. Never, John never took his father's last name. Yeah. Yeah. His name was John Farner. So she had custody from day one. She never put it in his, John's, her real father's name. Yeah. So that she had custody, so she had no problem with that of, of taking John. Sure. I did, and I, I'm going to tell you on a couple other things, and I'll say it right now. But I did try to promote Barbara to have John see his father because I was in the belief that you don't ever take a child away from their parent; that you let them know their real parent and let them make their own decisions. So I tried to get him to go see his father and Barbara to do that, but Barbara didn't want to see his father and didn't didn't push that very well. But she had an aunt. He had an aunt that John would visit, Dorothy. Okay. And John would, would be able to see her from time to time. But it kind of died out over time because Barbara did not promote it at all. 
Sure. So there was no big fight when you guys were taking John to Arizona. No. No. Never. Okay. No. Yeah. No, not at all. In fact, we she was like, uh, she wanted to go and try to start a new life. Sure. And that's kind of how she got in the loan business when we got here. Yeah. That's because she was already in it. That makes so sense. She knew what yeah. was going on. Yeah. Um, the next thing I guess would be like the story of Alyssa being born. You know, was she planned? Was she an accident? Were you there? <laughs> I want to know everything. Oh no, she was planned absolutely. And uh, you know, we were going through names before she was even born, and um, we went through a lot of names. And then finally, I said, "How about Alyssa?" And, and your mom said, "Yep, that's it." Oh. So that's how we got her name. We we chose it together, and um, and she was born. And um, we were very excited, both of us. I mean, we, we had a little boy, John, and right. now we had a little girl. So our life was like, wow, picture perfect, you know? Yeah. And John loved her to death, and he treated her like baby sissy. And sissy loved John because she looked up at him, you know? Uh, and he was just, he was just a, he grew into be a fine kid, amazing kid, listened to everything. You never, he never got a spanking. I never spanked him. He didn't need him a spanking. He would listen. He was almost overboard listening to your, to it. Unlike most kids. Sure. He was that way. But, uh, um, I thought she was the most beautiful thing ever when she was born. I mean, Barbara and I just, we just, uh, we're, we were spitting by her. She was so gorgeous when she was born and she was a pretty, pretty little girl. And she, she was easy to take care of too. She was, I would say she had fire in her from the day that she was born. Yeah. Somewhat of fire in her. You know what I mean? I'd agree with that. Yeah. And, but she was really, really a special, special little girl hmm. uh, in our lives. And we just loved the heck out of her. And sure. uh, she was beautiful. Yeah. I do have to ask a question. Um, something I was told growing up about the spelling of Alyssa's name was that my dad told me that my mom didn't know how to spell Alyssa. So that's why Alyssa is spelled A-L-I-S-S-A as opposed to the traditional spelling with a Y. Can no. you tell me anything about that? No, we decided, everyone had the Y. Yeah. So her and I decided that we wanted to put the I in instead. Yeah. That's all it was to it. Nothing that makes more. sense. And that's, that's what it was right from the beginning. And so that's what we did. We put it on the birth certificate and yeah. it was A-L-I-S-S-A. And where did Marie come from, her middle name? Uh... I'm trying to think. Um, well, yeah, I know it's like 35 years ago or whatever. Right yeah, now, <laughs> I'm just trying. I'm just trying to think, and uh, it just sounded good, Alyssa Marie. Sure, I think that's what it was. It's it was a super just, popular middle yeah, name, and yeah. it just sounded good. The funny part about it was is that the wife that I married after Barbara, her middle name is Marie, <laughs> and our daughter's middle name is Marie. Oh, that's too funny. Yeah. That's too funny. So the thing is, is that Alyssa would have fit right in because she would have been a Marie all the way around. So, yeah. Oh, goodness. So that's where that came from. Yeah. Is it? yeah. Oh, that's always good to know. I, I always wondered because, you know. Yeah. And there's a lot of things you can ask me like that because that's, that's important for other people to know, especially her own sister. Yeah, yeah. Not that like her middle name is super relevant to the story or whatever, but I want to know personally, and that's that's part of what no, this podcast and is we about. We want so. you to know that too. Yeah. You know, that's important. Yeah, absolutely. Um, okay, so you guys are together. You're married. You have Alyssa. Um, so unfortunately, you guys do eventually split. What did that look like? Well, it wasn't ugly by any means at all. Um, the way that we separated was um, it was sometime in November before Chris, in Christmas in December, um, I noticed that Barbara was moping around a little bit. And I, she got quiet, but she got more quiet. Mm. And so I said, I said, Barbara, what's up? You know, what's up with you? And she wasn't a communicator. You know, you know, she was quiet. Yeah. Your mother was. And she just wasn't much of a communicator. So I asked her what was wrong. And she said to me, just right out of the blue, I think that we need to be separated and I'd like you to leave the house. Wow. And I said, what's going on? And she didn't want to tell me. And I didn't push it up from her. And so I moved out of the house at that point. And that was, uh, I was there through Christmas. I remember Christmas, I was away and it snowed that year. In Phoenix. Yeah, yeah, in Phoenix, which was unusual. A big event, yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so it snowed, but it wasn't much, and it went away real fast. But uh, sure. anyway, that's how I remember it anyway, is that it snowed that time, and I was upset because I wasn't with them, and I didn't get to spend Christmas with them, and so on and so forth. And I thought, well, maybe there's a chance that she'll she'll come around and come back. But as I would 
it wasn't long after that she decided to move out of the house and move in with Mike. Yeah. And so I asked her, uh, are you sure you're doing the right thing for the kids? And your mother said, uh, he's a good guy. And, you know, at that point, I kind of got to the point where it wasn't about Barbara and I anymore. Oh, there were no words spoken, mean words from her or me or anything. I just knew she was quiet. And I knew, I thought maybe, well, there's a chance she would get me back because, you know, she got quiet and she'd do that. So I thought maybe there was that chance. And I thought, well, I could, maybe I can get her to go counseling. But anyway, she decided to move in to, with Mike. Um, I packed all the stuff out of the whole house, not just one few things that they needed or whatever, everything out of the house. Yeah. Put it in a U-Haul, took it over to Mike's house, dropped it off. Uh, it's the first time I met Mike, shook his hand. Um, you know, he took her and, and I left and went back home. Yeah. And that was that. I had no furniture, no beds, no nothing. Wow. Uh, so I just slept on the floor for a while until I got beds and a few other things. And uh, so that was the f first thing that happened. And then I began to realize that... Uh, that, uh, you know, that I really, Barbara was already there and her and I had a few words. She came over to the house one day and I said, so really, really just tell me the truth, what was going on. And she said she had an affair with Mike Yeah. and that, um, she couldn't look, she kind of told me she couldn't live with the, with living with me, with knowing that she had an affair. Yeah. I don't know whether that was true or not, or if it's just something she threw in there, but it doesn't matter. It didn't matter at that point after that. I got to the point where it was not about Barbara and me anymore. It was about the pain of my daughter and seeing John. And so anyway, I, uh, she got alimony or whatever, not alimony, but, um, child, child support. support from me, not for John because I never adopted him, right? but for my daughter. And I think if I remember correctly, it was like $400 a month. Uh, and so, um, in the meantime, I was pretty distraught over the, over my daughter being gone and the whole, the whole happening. I started to not work anymore and I just felt like I couldn't work anymore. I was sick. I went from like 184 down to 155 pounds. Wow. And, um, I just couldn't do it anymore. And they repossessed my house. I didn't have any money, no money at all. I, I, I gave up my business that I had, I had a, a sign business. And I moved to, finally decided to move to California. And I moved there uh, and a friend of mine had a business. And so I went to work for him in California. And I was there for a year, I think. Mm -hmm. And um, in the meantime, just before that, part of the reason that I left was um, I would go over to pick up Alyssa on Wednesdays and the weekends. And I picked up Alyssa, I think, for the first week on a Wednesday and a Saturday and she was doing good coming over and see me and hi daddy. And, you know, we just spent time dinner and we never talked about the situation because it didn't do any good to talk about it. You know, she was in the middle of the other side and I just tried to make it the best I could for her. But anyway, we, we, uh, she would come over and see me. And then the second week, Barbara decided that she won't ask me, uh, why don't you take John? And I said, you know, I will take John. If you write something out that says that I can have John, you know, to take, and in case something happens physically or he gets hurt or right. anything happens to him that I can take him to the doctors or that we can, you know, that I don't, all of a sudden I'm not getting in trouble for taking him. Yeah. And they refused to do that. So they, it was on them at that point. And I wasn't about to take John, even though I love John to death. And so what I did was uh, I went to get my daughter's, I think that it was the next week or the weekend after, my daughter. And um, they said she wasn't here. And I said, but I'm supposed to pick her up now and I'm supposed to take her. And they said, um, she wasn't here. She's not here. And Where would she be? How old was she? She was with Barbara somewhere. I don't know. Okay. So anyway, uh, they said, well, you know, we have custody. She has custody. Your mother did. And I had visitation rights. Mm -hmm. So I went to the, uh, to the, to the, uh, the, um, judge mm. and saw a judge and asked him about it. And the judge said, uh, she has custody. You only have visitation. She has a right to do whatever she wants at any time. Yeah. She could, so she could do it. So I kind of, trying to figure out what was going on. 
So I went back the next week to talk to them about Alyssa to see if I could get her that week. And they both approached me and said, we want to ask you a question. And, they, and I said, what? And they said, she's at our house now and she's wetting the bed every night. And I said to them, well, that's funny because she comes to my house. She never wets the bed. Yeah. Well, when I told them that, they yanked all everything away from me at that point. They decided that I was not going to see my daughter anymore. And I knew that it was a lost cause. I could, you know, I couldn't do anything about it. The courts wouldn't do anything about it at that point. And I waited. There was a while that I waited before I left, but I decided to go live my own life and let them live their own life. And I left and I was still paying child support. And that's how it went as far as a separation was concerned. Yeah. Do you, I mean, just going back a second to the bedwetting, do you think that had anything to do with it? Were they, I don't know, jealous that she wasn't no, doing it at your house? I think she was wetting was the it? bed, but I think it's her separation from her father and being oh. in a strange place. Okay. She was probably wetting the bed. I, I've heard that that children go through that, that, sure. that, that situation before. So he was trying to use it against me, but I was telling them, wait a minute, he's wetting the bed. At, she's wetting the bed at your house, not my house. Right. You know? And so... Uh, it was, it was, it was another, another stab in the back, so to speak. I shouldn't have looked at it that way, but I felt like it at that point. And I felt like I didn't really want to give up, but I felt like I had no choices. I mean, I wasn't going to fight them. I wasn't going to have fights with them or, you know what I mean? And do that because they just put me in jail because she has custody. Yeah. So I wasn't going to do that right. know, at all. Yeah. So how old was Alyssa the last time you saw her? Two and a half years old. Two and a half. Okay. Yeah. That's something that I'd always, um, I've been a little fuzzy on, so that's yeah. good to know. No, she was she was what I call taken from me at two and a half. That was the last time I saw my daughter. Yeah. She was still two and a half when I when she come in. She we her and I would go come over to my house. We'd go out to eat on a Wednesday, and then we I'd bring her home, I'd bring her back to her parent to back to Barbara and, and Mike's house. On because Wednesday night, you know, you have to work and you have to do all this. So I bring yeah. her back there. Then on the weekends, and it was usually every other weekend, I'd bring her over and she'd stay with me. We'd eat there and she'd sleep over and she, you know, we yeah, pretty her, normal yeah, agreement. She loved yeah. her daddy and we 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 just did stuff together. And I had friends that lived in the neighborhood, so they all knew her and everybody knew her and knew me. And so the thing is, is we just li- we just were living our little life and she was loving it. But yeah, so you know, that's when the last time I saw her. Yeah. Do you think had my mom been with a different man that this would have happened? Or do you think it was mostly because of my father that well, she don't didn't know, allow you to see her? I don't her? know that, but I think a lot of it had to do with his influence. Okay. But she didn't let John see his father either. So I don't know. I, I really don't know. And I don't know. Barbara didn't tell me all the particulars about John either, her, her John's father. Yeah, John's father, John. I know it gets yeah, confusing. See, yeah, There's the, so many similar name, names. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so the, I didn't know the truth. And, you know, so you can speculate about that stuff, but I don't know, I don't know who, what they were thinking at all. Yeah. I have no idea. All I can tell you was I was hurt. And and then when I didn't have Alyssa anymore, I decided to go on my way. Yeah. You know? Yeah, fair enough. Yeah. Um, this episode of Voices for Justice is brought to you by June's Journey. I'm pretty sure everyone here loves a good mystery, especially one with as many twists and turns as June's journey. You get to step into the role of June Parker and search for hidden clues to uncover the mystery of her sister's murder. You engage your observation skills to quickly uncover key pieces of information that lead to chapters of mystery, danger, and romance. So what does that mean? Well, June's journey is a hidden object mystery game. Essentially, you find hidden clues and uncover this mystery. But it's also more than that. You can customize your own luxurious estate island, you can join a detective club, and put your skills to the test in a detective league. I like that you can play totally alone, or if you want to play with other people, you can do that too. I find myself playing June's Journey in little breaks during the day, or most frequently at night before I go to bed. Whether you're craving a good mystery or just looking for an escape, I really do recommend June's Journey. Discover your inner detective when you download June's Journey for free today on iOS and Android. This episode of Voices for Justice is brought to you by Quince. The weather is getting warmer, which means it's time to put away all the sweaters and pants and say hello to shorts and t-shirts. I absolutely was looking to update my wardrobe without spending a fortune, and I went right back to Quince for that. 
I personally don't love trendy clothes that I have to replace every few months. I am looking to build my solid core collection of essentials. And with the huge selection at Quince, I can do that. They have premium European linen dresses, blouses and shorts from 30 bucks, washable silk tops, they have jewelry, and so much more. One thing I really love about Quince too is that they only work with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices. And they only use premium fabrics and finishes, so you're not cutting any corners when it comes to quality. I've really been trying to play with pairing casual with more upscale pieces. So recently I just matched a silk skirt with this black tee that I just love and fits really, really well. I think it came together pretty cute. Get warm weather ready with Quince. Go to quince.com justice for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot justice to get free shipping and 365 day returns. Quince.com justice. Before we move on to the, the court issues and things like that, I do want to talk about the incident of um, the car in the front yard, <laughs> which is highly debated. Yep. Um, because it's something I've heard growing up, right? There's a picture of my mom that is in my photo album. I don't have it here, but um, where she's standing on the lawn. She has like a cigarette or whatever, and she's pointing her finger down um, where you supposedly tried to run my father over with a car. Um, so I want to hear it from your point of view, because I've, like I said, I've heard it all growing up. Uh, this was the one and only incident that I had with, with Michael. Yeah. And this was a not getting to see my daughter incident. And I was parked in his driveway. I reversed it into his driveway and parked, was parked in there. And I don't know if I was on the grass or not. I don't know. I, I don't remember what it was, but, um, I wished I would have been turned around the other way. <laughs> no, sure. No, sure. No. Not really. What was? What I'm was, like, I don't blame you at all. Whatever. No. no um. <laughs> what happened was, is I was sitting in the in the thing, and I and I, him and I were having words, and I said, "Where's Alyssa?" And he said, "Oh, she's with Barbara." And um, so, why isn't she here? And he made excuses up. And I said, "You know what? I want to confront you. You were cheating with my wife, and I want you to." He yelled at me. He said, "No, I wasn't. I never cheated on your wife. You were long separated from her." I said, "What?" Right. You know? And of course, I kept egging him on and saying things to him. I did. Which is fair. Yeah. yeah I, I don't did. blame you. And I said things like that. And he kicked me through the window yeah. in the side of the face and, and my ears started bleeding. And so I took off from there. Never backed up into him. And I took off and and I went to uh, to the police station and I told the, I mean, the uh, fire station. And I told him and they said, well, you need to go to the hospital because it looks like you're bleeding out of your ear. And I said, I don't think so. I think it's just a little cut inside my ear. Yeah. So anyway, I went home, not thinking anything about it. And then after that incident, that's when I finally decided to leave. That was it. Well, I didn't leave because of the incident. I wasn't even thinking of that. Sure. Because sure. it, it was nothing that happened. Right. So I left and went to California and got a job with a friend of mine. And then I was there for about a year. And then I realized that that's not where I wanted to be either. Yeah. So I made moved to the Midwest, and I was uh, working in Kansas and um, living in Missouri, and um, that's where it went from there. And uh, that was the hardest thing I ever did in my life was to leave Alyssa, yeah. because she was my first child and my first baby girl, and so uh, it was hard. Yeah, I'm Very sure. Hard. Um, I guess that brings us to our next issue of the adoption, you know, because my, my father did legally adopt Alyssa and John. Um, but I want to know what that looks like on your end. Well, first of all, I said it before about adoption. Somebody mentioned the point, well, why did Michael said, why didn't you adopt him? You know what I mean? And I, right. my, and I told you a little bit about that on how I feel about adoption. I think there's a time to adopt the child, but I think if his father is alive and he's willing to see him, that you need to let, let them be together. That would not hurt my relationship with John. Right. You know what I mean, he'd still have a good relationship, but you needed to know his real father. But, uh, Barbara and Mike didn't want that. And so um, I was living in Missouri, and I got a call. I got a, uh, a piece of mail at my work because I worked in Kansas. And the mail said that I had to go see the judge uh, about uh, child support. Mm -hmm. Didn't know what was in there or what it was, but I went and I got an attorney because I thought to myself, I didn't know what it was, but... I want to be able to see my daughter. So if I get an attorney, maybe there might be that chance. So I got an attorney and he took me to, we went to the, uh, 
to see the judge. And the judge said that he had a letter from the, from Michael and from the, the state of Arizona that said that he wanted to have the child support increased from 400 to, I don't know what. They never told me what it was. Sure. But they wanted it increased. And so, um, he said, well, and so I told the judge, I said, judge, you realize that I've never saw my daughter and they won't let me see my daughter and they stopped me from seeing my daughter. And I told him the whole thing. And um, no one was there to represent. Michael wasn't there, but there was a guy that just kind of represented Arizona for what they were doing. And and he's a, a, a court-appointed person. You know what I mean? Sure. So he was representing them. And so um, anyway, what happens is the judge listened to the whole thing, and he listened to my attorney, and he, and he listened to the whole deal. And then he said, uh, he asked my attorney how much I made and how much money I made and what, what the whole deal was. And the, and he finally said, okay, I've made my decision. And I was going to, whatever he said, I was going to go with whatever he said, because, you know, you can't fight that at all. Right. And so anyway, what happened was is that he said, I am uh, decreasing his, uh, the amount that he's paying child support from 400 to 200. Yeah. Because he said, you're only paying for one kid, right? And I said, that's right. So he decreased it for me. And he, he said, but I want to ask you a question. And I said, what's that? And he said, are you aware that he has adopted your daughter? And I said, no, no one ever told me. I didn't know anything about it. If he did, he did it illegally without my signature. Yeah. And he said, well, he's adopted and I just wanted to let you, she's adopted and I just want to let you know that. And I said, okay. So I went home and were you involved at that point or was that after that? <clears throat> After that, but yeah. that's when you realized you well, the judge told you you could not have any contact. Yeah, the judge. Until she yeah, was 18. the judge told me that I could not have any contact until she was eighteen. Really? Number one was because I was a biological father, but because she, she didn't know me since she was two, they said she may never. You can't take it away from that other people, and you can't. The other can't go the other way, and just all of a sudden she's going to go right to you without even knowing you. So he said, because you didn't have any contact since she was two and a half. There wasn't there. That, that, point, yeah, you, you can't do anything until she's 18. So, but you can't get legal custody of her until she's 18. They didn't say you couldn't speak to her. No, you cannot have. You cannot have any contact. Anytime somebody adopts a child, you cannot have any contact. So I thought, how did he adopt him without my consent? Well, I found out because Mike was an ex-sheriff that he got one of his buddies at the sheriff department to vouch for him that he couldn't find me, but he could find me for my child support. Right. And so he signed that he couldn't find me. And so that's how they ran it, a thing in the paper. You know what I mean? It mm -hmm. says that they're looking for this person and, for, and because there's going to be an adoption. And so they were able to adopt my daughter without my consent. And okay. I could never do anything from then on. So they ran. Okay, I I could see that happening, right? I could see them not being able to find you, or you know, saying they couldn't find you, and then it kind of just going through. Mm -hmm. What I don't understand is them saying don't contact her, you know, because I've worked with kids in foster care whose parents, you know, were horrible to them, who beat them, who abused them, who you know, all these terrible things, and they still had contact with the no, kids. No, but they weren't adopted. But they were. They were. They would be fully adopted by their new it. families and still contact their original parents, wow. like. I, I, I know that yeah. uh, I don't know I don't know what the particulars are but he they, I was told that I could not have any contact with her because she was adopted until she reaches the eight or 18th birthday and then I could contact her and if she wanted to talk to me that's fine yeah but until then I had no way of contact but then I met Karen and Karen and I decided that we would go and Karen's your new wife or yes, your, your current wife, wife. Yes, my current <laughs> wife we decided that we would go talk to an attorney about it yeah. And we went and talked to the attorney about it. And the attorney said that it would probably cost more than $50,000. And that still the judge might decide that he she could never go with you because you have not known her since she was two and a half. Right. So it was a, went back to the same thing that was before. You know what I mean? I I felt like I had no recourse. I felt like just like when I left them to go to California... I had nothing to say. Nobody would listen. Nobody cared. And I just went on with my life. Yeah. You know. Sure. It's not. It wasn't easy. And I'm not saying that I was perfect in that situation. 
I probably wasn't, and I should have fought for her, but I didn't at the time. Right. I mean, we all have regrets. Yeah. And that, you know, and that's not what this is about. And it's something I specifically pointed out online because I asked people, like, what do you want me to ask Steve? And a lot of it circled around regrets. And I'm like, I'm not going to do that because obviously you are regretful. Anyone with um, a heart and a brain is going to be regretful in this situation. So I think everyone's well aware of that. And and even more regretful once I found out that she was gone and dead. Right. And so that made it even worse. So, But I've had to deal with that. And, you know, I have that burden to carry the rest of my life because of it. But I can live with that. I, I can. Because all I do is think about how much I loved her and how much we would have, time we would have spent together. Right. So Absolutely. And, you know, what can I say after that? Yeah. Well, I mean, so the plan was to reconnect with Alyssa when she turned 18. Mm-hmm. So what did that look like for you in terms of finding out that she was missing and that you wouldn't be able to, to reconnect? As far as me, myself? Yeah. Or, or the overall outlook? Well, how did that happen? Like, when did you try to reach out? When did you find right. out... Well, I think, and I don't know the year exactly, but I think it was like 2008. Yeah, 2000. No, we actually found out she was oh, missing yeah. right after she was missing. Oh, yeah. So 2001, she went missing. 2001, Karen She's... did a lot of research to check up on Alyssa all the time. And she would look in stuff to see if she moved mm-hmm. or where she went so that when we got ready to contact her when she was 18, we could do that. And Karen just... Find, went on. She went online to look, and she saw her missing Alyssa poster. Yeah, that's how it started. And she came to me and said, "Do you know what Alyssa's missing?" Right. Right. And this was like after two thousand one, and we were like, "Whoa, what's going on?" You know what I mean? Yeah. And so, I don't mean to, but you know, and I don't want to sound like it was a stalker or anything. No. I wanted to make sure that we knew where she was. We didn't know if, if Mike and Barbara were going to move the family to California. Or right. Or keep it in state in Arizona. We just wanted to have a general idea where she might be. Yeah. So that when she did turn 18, we could reach out to her. So I just kind of randomly every once in a while... You know, her birthday would trigger it or something, and I would say, "Oh yeah, I gotta check and see if they've moved." You know, or something. yeah. And so, just trying to keep track over the years that way. Um, and then it, her, she turned seventeen, and I was like, "Wow, we only have one more year." Yeah. You know? And um, I pulled up her name just by her name, and there was her poster. Yeah. And um, I was shocked. Oh, I'm sure. And, you know, burst into tears and. <laughs> Showed Steve, and I was like, wow. Yeah. Yeah. So so you were checking, and yeah, I mean, and granted, we moved a lot, so I don't blame you. We moved like 12 times before I was 12 or something. Yeah, and also my daughters knew that they had an older sister. Yeah. And so they were looking forward to that when it came because we talked about Alyssa. And they knew her name. And because her name was Alyssa Marie, and Christina's name is, my daughter is named Christina Marie. And Karen's is Karen Marie. So, you know, there was a connection there. Yeah. And so the girls were excited to get to do that uh, and see her. So that's that's part of the reason we did it, too, is it was just family stuff. You know what I mean? Family thought process. Of course. Yeah. So, I mean, you find out that she's missing. You see this poster. What is your first thought? My first thought was Barbara and I, I'm Barbara and I, <laughs> Freudian slip. Um, Karen and I thought he did something. But my father, yes, Mike Turney, yeah. Mike Turney did something, but we we both we didn't know and we didn't know enough on what was going on, so it was hard to just go nuts and try to find blame or try to find this or that. So we sure. didn't know what's going on. So then, in we let it go to see what was happening with it and if they found her, if they were going to find her, or what. And yeah. in two thousand eight, the police contacted me by phone. And asked me if I was Alyssa's biological father. Yeah. And it was like, it was like amazing that somebody contacted me because I'd never had anybody contact me yet, ever before, and except for on the on the child support. And um, he he told me that the uh, police detective told me that Alyssa's been missing, and she was missing since uh, two thousand and and one, and that did I have any idea where she is or anything like that? And I said no, I don't, and. Uh, 
And they asked her, when's the last time you saw her? And I said that she was two and a half years old. Yeah. And um, basically it, it, uh, it came down to uh, uh, that we told them that we planned on seeing her when she was 18. That was our whole thing. They said, well, she's been missing and we'd like you to come to Phoenix and give DNA and tell us anything that you can tell us. So we made the trip. I made the trip. Yeah, we did. From Portland, Oregon, where we lived, down to Phoenix and talked to the detectives and told him what, what our side of what was going on. And he asked us what we thought if Mike had done it. And I think we have our suspicions that he did do something. Right. Because he was, we knew he's volatile. We knew he was a problem. He calls me volatile, but he's like <laughs> 10 times worse than I am. Yeah. Yeah, yeah and I could bad. I could be volatile in my younger years a little bit, and I and I admit that, but I was never volatile where I hurt anybody or kill anybody or do anything like that. Right, right, and I don't think anybody would blame you even if you had run him over with the car or had you punched him in the face. I don't think anybody would really blame you for that. Yeah. Um, so I don't think that that's you know anything to worry about. I think, you know, the bigger question here is just kind of how it all transpired. You know, I yeah. think that's what people really want to know is um, what happened and where you're at with it today. So you talked to detectives in 2008. Was that Detective Summershoe and Anderson at that point? It was point? Anderson. Both of them, right? Yeah, it was both Anderson and, yeah. and Summershoe. They were great guys. I mean, they had me in. You know what I mean? They asked me the pertinent questions. Have you ever seen her? Did you do it? You know what I mean? Right. They, uh, they're supposed to ask. They should ask. And I talked to them, and then I gave me their numbers and said I could call them at any time. And any time I called them, I would check in on what was going on and what was happening. And they were they were fabulous with me. They were unbelievable. And they were trying the best that they could do. And I told them that, and I said, hey, you know, just do me a favor because I'd like to not die and see and know before I die what happened to Alyssa and get justice for her. And they said, we will work on this until it, we we can't work on it anymore. Yeah. And so that's, that's really what happened. Um, getting back to a point, point about the thing with, uh, with me running over Mike. Sure. Or him saying that I ran over him. Yeah. Was when we moved back, I moved from, from um, Missouri back to Phoenix to start dating Karen because I came here on a Christmas thing and we met each other there i'd seen her before but i didn't know her yeah uh but we met and i came back and i moved back here uh we bought a house together and it was about how many months you think six months six months got a knock on the door and i was shaving i just got off work and it was like three after three o'clock and i was shaving and the uh detectives were there not those two detectives, some other detectives, and they handcuffed me and took me to the police station. And what year about was this? Maybe in the 90s? Yeah, early 90s, 92, 93? Yeah, 93. Was it? Yeah. Okay, so there. early 90s. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So they took me to the police station, and I said, well, what are you guys arresting me on? And they said, we don't know. It's just a warrant. We have no idea what's on the warrant or anything like that. I said, oh, it's weird. Not even knowing who who did it against me or anything. I had no idea Mike did it or right. anything. So anyway, they took me to the police station, and I sat in the police station for a while. And then they eventually uh, found out. They didn't even tell me then in the police station. They finally, over a certain period, let me go. And then I had to report to court okay over it and i got an attorney because i didn't know what it was and then when we got there there was your there was my attorney yeah at the thing so we kind of figured out well what it was but they had given my that my my uh attorney did not have any paperwork until he got to the police station wow he read through all of it and his his words were not my words his words were this guy's a lion piece of sh <laughs> sure. And, and he read through it and he could just tell. Yeah. And so we had to go before before, you know, the judge, but the thing was is that he was accusing me. And they had cameras there. He was accusing me of of trying to run over him with my car. Sure. So like attempted assault attempted, or something, but, yeah. Yeah, attempted assault. 
It was, yeah, salt. And so because there was cameras in the courtroom, they were summarizing filming this. Mm-hmm. I don't know who was doing it, some radio station or something. Okay. Mike had to give up and give his case, but I never had to give a case because he was a pro- he was going after me. So I didn't have to, to do anything. I I was able to sit in the back of the room. Oh, while, interesting. And so he sat up there and my his attorney, which he didn't even have an attorney, did he? No, he didn't. He didn't. He well, he represented himself. Sounds about right. Yeah. So they were able to. So my attorney was able to ask him questions, and he asked him, you know, had you ever been in a accident, yeah, injury, yeah, an injury regarding your leg and and all? Well, in the report, it told that he was in an injury that uh, where he got hurt at work. Yeah, yeah, his leg had been hurt for a long time. So he was using that to say that he that I hurt him, but. They held all the documentation. They gave it to the judge. The judge looked at it. And we went, my attorney went on and on. He said, have you ever accused people of this before? Yes, many times. I've accused people of different things, you know what I mean? And then it went on to, have you ever been in a psych ward? Yes, I have been in a psych ward. And it went on and on and on. And finally, the judge says, I've heard enough. And my attorney said, well, wait a minute. We have a lot more stuff here that we need. I said, I've heard enough. So my attorney just sat down thinking, well, they're going to send it to the higher court because they almost always do 99% of the time. Mm. And the judge dropped the case. And he said, I don't find you that you ran over him. He heard himself earlier. Yeah. So that's that's what happened on that whole situation. So Mike was so mad, he threw his elbow at my attorney without anybody seeing it, except for us that were sitting in the stands. Yeah. And everybody went, ooh, you know. And nothing ever came of it. But Mike was pretty mad as he went out the door. I heard him say to his friend, the the, the other sheriff, that he got to sign the thing. Mm-hmm. I heard him say to him, "Why'd you bring me back here for this? To not even be ready and be, you know, like it was his fault instead of his own for getting in trouble his whole life. Yeah, and being and you know, and being a liar and everybody catch him on it. Yeah, interesting. Yeah, so it was it was just it was just kind of a like a real non belief. Weird world. You know yeah. what I mean? That's what it felt like. Yeah. And so anyway, that was that was over with and done. I just wrote it off to him being a kook. That's all. Yeah. Probably trying to get some extra money or whatever. Yeah, that's whatever, usually whatever, what he did. Yeah, whatever um, we could do. Yeah. So I, I can see that really, really aligning with everything that he's done. Um Okay, so th- this incident happens. You know, you lose contact with Alyssa. You're waiting until she's 18. You find out that she's missing. Between that period of 2001 when she's missing and 2008 when you talk to the police, did you ever try to call my dad or anything like that? I mean, I know, like, how awkward and how weird, but... No, I never talked to your dad. Yeah. I never talked to him when I was in Missouri. I talked to Barbara's father, Earl, mm-hmm. a couple times. Uh, once was once was he just called me to see how I was doing, and I told him I was doing great. He said, I heard you have kids, and I said, no, I'm not even married. So I think there was another Stephen Strong that lived out there, oh. and they, people were mixing it up, and I think even your parents were mixing it up, oh, trying okay. to get a hold of me, your dad or something, but I never spoke to your, to to Michael ever, Yeah. except then the second time that Earl called was when he told me that Barbara was dying and she was on her deathbed, Yeah. and that she wanted you to have Alyssa. And I said, yeah, but that's, it's one thing she wants me to have her, but does, is Michael going to want, wants me to have her? Cause I would go get her. Right. Yeah. And, uh, he said, I think Earl said, well, he talked about it, but I said, that ain't happening. Yeah. That is not happening. I know him. He's, you know, he wants justice or he wants not justice, but he wants vengeance on everyone on any, anything that ever happened. You know what I mean? And control. Yeah. And control. Yeah. So I, so we just uh, said, well, we're not going to go and go face to face with him again because he might say anything about us, yeah. turn us in and say we did this or that or that. So we basically just let it go and said, well, you know, uh, we'll just have to wait till she was 18 at that time. But then when we found out that she was missing, then 
Um, no, I never talked to him ever. Yeah. Well, and I ask, of course, because he says that he did. Yeah. He, he, he writes in a few different, or it might be transcripts or something, but in the documents he says, you know, I talked to Alyssa's biological father, blah, blah, blah. Um, so yeah, we know that didn't so happen. So what he does is on one hand, he says that I was this, all these uh, things and lies about me and that I was abuse, abusive and I was uh, a person that was mean and um, I had a temper and I had all this stuff. And the second hand, he says he talked to me on right. the phone. So I never talked to him, nor did I ever want to talk to him. I'm going to be honest with you. I didn't even really want to talk to Barbara either. It had to do with me and my daughter. Yeah. Well, Chuck's wife. And, and so weird. I didn't want to be involved yeah. in their lives and or anything. Or And I went off and had my own life. Yeah. You know, eventually I had my own life. Got married and have two girls. And they both went to college. And so, you know, I, I, did, I wasn't worried about that kind of stuff. But, you know, but yeah. that's uh, the biggest thing was is that we knew she was missing. Bar, uh, Karen and I did, my wife and I, and we knew she was missing. We knew he probably had something to do with it, but we didn't know what, when, where. We didn't know any of that stuff until we finally met some little girl by the name of Sarah. <laughs> Sorry. Don't be. It's okay. Sarah Turney. And she's the one that helped us with this and helped us get through it because she has been the backbone to everything. And I'm sorry I'm crying, but... Don't be sorry. It's okay. Okay. It's okay. Next time on Voices for Justice. But I want to talk about it all, um, which I was specifically referring to, you know, you brought it up that, that my dad always said that you were a violent man, mm-hmm. that you weren't a good guy. You know, I heard these stories of you trying to run him over with a car. You know, I have this picture right here of you that my dad says, oh, that was Steve when he was in prison. Um Well, so I wanted to discuss um, what you thought. So when you enter back in the picture, right, you're talking to police, so you're involved in the case now. Like, what is your theory on what happened to Alyssa? I'm sure everybody would like to know. Exactly. So that leads me into the next discussion of the police. Voices for Justice is hosted, produced, and edited by me, Sarah Turney. If you want to learn more about Alyssa's story and how you can help with the case, visit justiceforalyssa.com. And if you love the show, it would really help if you gave me a rating and review in your podcast player. Thank you so much, and I'll talk to you next time.